Hello, friends. Uh, if we have not yet met, my name is Laurie. I am one of the ordinands, as Gabrielle said, uh, which essentially means I'm a trainee vicar. So I've been at uh, St. Barnabas for a year, uh, and I've still got another three years of my training. It's quite a long process. Uh, but part of that is because the work of a trainee vicar is trying to understand what God is doing in our community and trying to honor uh, the work that God is doing in our community. And, uh, and that requires a lot of kind of study of the scriptures and a lot of prayer and a lot of sitting with people and, and discussing with them, what is God doing in your life? Um, and to be honest, it's been quite a transformative year that I've just been through. Um, and I have every expectation that the next three years will be just as transformative. Um, and I have the incredible pleasure this morning of talking to you about some of the work that the Holy Spirit has been doing uh, throughout the history of the church and the history of humanity. Um, and that is just a very exciting thing for my Sunday morning. So bear with me if I get a little bit too enthusiastic. So we have been thinking uh, the past few weeks about what it looks like to be a people of the word. And today we're going to begin our studies for the next few weeks about what it looks like to be a people of the Holy Spirit. We often think of the Holy Spirit as mysterious. Sometimes it gets a little bit less attention in the Bible than the other members of the Trinity. Uh, it's not actually what's happening, though. Uh, perhaps sometimes we might think that the Holy Spirit only starts doing anything at Pentecost. Uh, that is not what we are told in the scriptures. So little whistle-stop tour through the Bible. Uh, Genesis 1 tells us that he was present at creation, hovering over the waters. Genesis 6 tells us he contended with sinful mankind prior to the flood that Noah built the ark for. And he has been a source of sanctification in believers throughout the Old Testament. Genesis 41 tells us that Pharaoh recognized him in Joseph, as in Joseph with his fancy, colorful coat. Uh, then we step into Exodus, and we hear that it was the Spirit of God who enabled Bezabel to fabricate the tabernacle furniture according to the heavenly pattern. So he's a bit of an architect as well. Uh, or interior architect. Uh, by the time we arrive at the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is focused on the promotion of the glory of the Lord Jesus. Luke 1.35 tells us that the angel Gabriel told Mary that the miraculous conception of the Son of God would be by the Holy Spirit. And then we come to our readings for today, uh, which Gabrielle has already shared with us, but we'll just have a look at again, uh, beginning at chapter one of Mark. There we go. So his next appearance is in the form of a dove, uh, where his bodily descends, uh, where he, the Holy Spirit, bodily descends to indwell in Jesus in the banks of the Jordan River. We're told at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn apart and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. It is later that the energy of the spirit in the wilderness uh, 
empowers Jesus to kind of pass through the temptation um, and empowers Jesus' public ministry. When Jesus contemns, condemns the religious leader's obstinate refusal to acknowledge his miraculous signs as being from God, uh, he calls that blasphemy, <laughs> blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Their attribution to the miraculous Beelzebub is denounced as sinful. Not acknowledging the Holy Spirit and calling it something else is very, very offensive to Jesus. And here, uh, Jesus highlights for us that the signs and miracles he is performing were a service by the Spirit to the nation. The Holy Spirit's intent of these miracles is the recognition of Jesus as the Son of God. To the successful accomplishment of the mission of Jesus is noted by the Hebrews writer uh, from the book of Hebrews that it is by the eternal spirit that Jesus ultimately offered himself to be a successful sacrifice to God. Paul records that it is by the spirit of holiness that Jesus was raised out of death as a final stamp of approval to his spotless human life and offered as a sacrifice for sin. And then after Jesus' death, his resurrection and ascension, he gives this promise of the spirit coming to fill God's people which was fulfilled at Pentecost, where we often think of the Spirit, where tongues of fire came down and rested on a gathering of Christians. And then we read in Romans chapter 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you brought out your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Amen. Uh, so we have all these kind of ideas about what the Spirit is doing throughout the Bible, uh, but primarily what I want to focus on today is, is what's happening in this last verse. What does it look like for the Spirit to make us co-heirs with Christ and be working in our lives? Uh, it is kind of impossible to track everything the Spirit is doing in the world uh, or even in the Bible, but I pulled out kind of seven themes, uh, so that will kind of get a little bit of an insight into what we're doing. Uh, the first of these is that the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. So in Galatians 5, we hear that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It teaches us that if we walk by the Spirit, we will be transformed by its power. First, the works of the flesh will diminish in our lives, and second, the fruit of the Spirit emerges. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, our character changes. We grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, good self-control, and goodness, which I didn't write down there. Uh, another way is to say that the power of the Holy Spirit sanctifies us more and more to be holy. And if you claim to walk by the Spirit, you are, and you are not categorized by the works of the Spirit, you should be asking God to be transforming your life. Jesus told his disciples to pray, 
saying, how much more will a heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In the same way, we should be asking the father to transform our lives and character by his spirit. Secondly, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Uh, In John 16, we hear that nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, I being Jesus. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. About judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. If we are saved and given the gift of the Spirit, we cannot be comfortable with sin in our lives. The Spirit will constantly convict our hearts. Some who actively ignore that Spirit, their conviction begins to fade. I'm sure you've been in that situation of ignoring the guilt long enough that eventually it starts to not feel so guilty uh, when you feel like you've wronged someone. If we suppress the work of the Spirit in our lives, we end up quite far from God. Suppose the Spirit is genuinely moving in our lives. In that case, we are led to repentance, a turning away from our sin. We walk more closely, we, we step away from walking more closely with our Father. The convicting power of the Spirit is a gift from God to help us from wandering from our Heavenly Father. We should be holy as Christ is holy. Uh, In one of the communities I am part of, we have this uh, quite regular experience about once a month where we take aside an hour to sit in worship together and pray together and uh, and not really engage with one another, but wait on the Spirit to convict us of our sin. And uh, it is amazing the sort of things that come up when you spend an hour sitting, asking the Spirit kind of where you have turned away from him. Uh, In a particular experience, I was feeling quite good, actually. I feel like I'd really kind of come to terms with with all of the things I needed to be working in my life. And after sitting for kind of 30 minutes, I I had this sudden overwhelming realization that I had uh, engaged with one of my friends in this community in a really um, quite unhelpful manner. I'd been quite jealous of the different experiences she was being given. And uh, and I just was completely struck. And it, it wasn't something that I could deny. I was completely like, oh, my goodness, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe I've done that. But then at the same time, while sitting in this kind of shock, also a, a feeling of peace of kind of like, this doesn't feel like guilt. This doesn't feel like shame. This feels like something I need to to honor her and myself and God by naming. And so one of the kind of practices we have in this community is that we uh, take the person aside and kind of say, the Holy Spirit is telling me this, and give them the opportunity to kind of acknowledge and, and forgive us. And, uh, and it was really quite powerful, actually, to pull aside this friend of mine and say, hey, I've been really jealous, and I'm not quite sure why, but I just need to name that, because I, I, that's not something that God is calling us to. And she was obviously quite surprised, uh, but it opened up a kind of a level of uh, communing with God between the two of us to name our own convictions to one another 
And that really deepens our relationship, not only with one another, but with God. Thirdly, and and kind of connected, uh, we hear that the Holy Spirit guides us to truth. John 14 tells us, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would remind us of the teachings of Jesus. In the same teaching, Jesus said, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. If the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you will be driven to study the scripture. The spirit will reveal its word to us. As a result, we naturally move away from wrong beliefs to having better and better knowledge of God through the power of the spirit. My uh, mother and maternal grandmother are very faithful women of God. Uh, And one of their prayers for me, and I I keep encountering it in letters they've written to one another, is prayers for the Holy Spirit to be indwelling in my life. And there was a particular point uh, where uh, my mother went to a prayer meeting one day with some of her friends and came to pick me up from school. And and we kind of didn't really talk about the prayer meeting, but when we got home, she had an expectation that I was going to uh, do my homework or clean my room or do one of the many things that I was supposed to be doing. And she found me sitting there with a Bible, uh, trying to work out what a particular word meant. Kind of, I was sitting there with multiple translations of the Bible, and I was like, I'm really determined to work this out. And she was completely kind of like, what on earth are you doing, child? I was like seven or something. Um, and, and she ended up kind of on the phone to my grandmother that day. My grandmother said, well, you have been praying that she would desire truth. Like, what do you expect, really? Um, uh, and, and I think that has ended up a theme in my life, uh, this kind of, the prayers of my mother and my grandmother have really embedded into me this desire to encounter God through the scriptures, which I'm very grateful for, but that has been quite a distraction. Fortunately now, you know, I, I get to do that as a full-time job, uh, but during my previous eras where I was supposed to be studying chemistry and all I wanted to know was what did Jesus mean when he said this particular thing? Very distracting, must say. Be cautious of your prayers. Uh, Fourthly, the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim Christ. It says in Acts 4, when they prayed, the place that they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. In the book of Acts, the Spirit constantly empowered God's people to proclaim the gospel. In Acts 2, the Spirit fell, and 120 followers of Jesus began to, ex- began to proclaim the magnificent acts of God in the languages of the pilgrims to Jerusalem. Then Peter stood up, empowered by the Spirit, and preached the gospel so powerfully that 3,000 people wanted to be baptized. In Acts 4, Peter and John are filled with the Spirit while on trial, The Spirit gave Peter and John bold words to proclaim to the religious leaders of Jerusalem. After they were released, a group of believers prayed again that they would be filled with the Spirit. The result was that they began to speak the word of God boldly. They're filled with the Spirit. You will proclaim the gospel. 
the Holy Spirit guides us to proclaim the life-saving message of the gospel. I think when you encounter truth, you have this deep desire to share it. Uh, Every week I go and I get a coffee from Hot Numbers and I also get one of their cinnamon rolls. And every week I come back and I say, this is the best cinnamon roll of my life. You need to go get one. I'm obsessed with these cinnamon rolls because I have found something good. I want to share it with everyone. I have encountered the great truth of this is the best cinnamon roll in all of Cambridge. You need it. I think that should be our vision for the gospel. This is the best news. This is better than that cinnamon roll. Why are we not going out and proclaiming it? Why are we not asking the spirit to show us the goodness, the absolute glory of that truth, so that all we want to talk about is how incredible that is? Fifthly, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. I've got two verses for this, and it's, it's not going to capture everything I want to say. Uh, I'm sure at some point we will get to talk about it a bit more. But just as a little taster, there are gif- different kinds of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us. There are different ministries, but the same God. There are different activities. The same God works in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person through the common good. To one is given the message of wisdom. Through the Spirit to another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. And then we hear in Ephesians 4, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Spiritual gifts are not talents or skills. They are nothing of our own achievement. They and the others that you know we haven't quite grasped in those two uh, passages are the outworking of the Spirit in us by grace through faith in Christ. They're not given for personal gain, though these fruits and gifts are a gift of the Spirit. They empower us for the ministry of the world. It's important to discover your spiritual gifts. Uh, Quite often, other people recognize them before we do. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to each believer. The purpose of these gifts is to serve the body and advance the gospel. As a church, we are really passionate and excited about what the Spirit is doing in this community and in you. And we would love to pray and discern with you about what that is, what gifting the Spirit is giving you. Uh, It won't necessarily look like it does in the next person. Uh, I think that's a tremendous gift. Uh, It wouldn't be any good for us all to be very good at, uh, I don't know, reading Hebrew uh, in the Scriptures. I personally cannot understand any Hebrew. Um, and I shan't attempt to try. Uh, but I'm so grateful that my friends around me can, and they can really discern for me what that looks like. You know? uh, so please do reach out uh, to one of the team here. 
and, and share with them a desire to understand the work of the Spirit in your life. They would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. Number six, the Holy Spirit empowers us to worship. Ephesians 5:18 tells us, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything, to God the Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The Greek structure, someone has told me, because I don't understand Greek, the Greek structure of Ephesians 5.18 is really interesting. Uh, The central command is to be filled with the Spirit. This command is modified by a few participles, speaking to one another, singing and making music, giving thanks always, and submitting to each other. These participles are either how we become filled with the Spirit or what happens when we are filled with the Spirit. I personally believe it's both of these. They refer to the actions that occur in worship, like here, uh, when we join together as a church. If you find yourself far from the Spirit, repent of your sins and join in with other believers in worship. As you do, you put yourself in a position to kind of open yourself to the work of the Spirit. In reality, this passage describes the ideal working of the Spirit in the corporate body. These actions done individually are beautiful, but done together as a church, they bring a kind of unique power um, because we hear that the Spirit dwells when two or more are gathered. The Holy Spirit fills its people when we worship together. And finally, the Holy Spirit leads us. We hear in Acts 16, They went through the region of Galatia, and they had been forgiven by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And they came to Mysa. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing passing through Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to get to Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Holy Spirit often spoke to and directs its people in the New Testament. In Matthew 4, uh, Jesus says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In Acts 16, Paul and Barnabas were clearly led by the Spirit to go to Macedonia when they had no intention of going there. The point is that that the Spirit often leads people. Uh, we should be open to the gentle nudges of the Spirit. A dear friend of mine, uh, a girl named Sam, an Australian girl, came over here, um, quite confused why she had any desire to go to England, not unlike myself, um, but came over here and was working here kind of quite happily for a little while, and one day uh, was caught in quite a bad storm in central London and ran into St. Paul's Cathedral to get away from the rain. And, um, and ended up kind of quite enjoying the service and being like, oh, this is very nice. And so came back a few weeks later and sat through it again. And, uh, and I met Sam kind of in that era where she was kind of just kind of like, oh, yeah, that was nice to listen to some nice music. Uh, and we've kind of journeyed together over the past four years. And, and at one point I was like, oh, wow, God's calling us together. Kind of we're, 
we're on this same journey. How tremendous is that? But it turns out we're on very different journeys. Sam is now discerning becoming a nun, um, <laughs> which is a very strange situation for someone that wasn't a Christian four years ago. Uh, but it's been so, so beautiful to see in her this transformation, this awareness of the ways that she has fallen away from God, this drawing together in community, and this guiding of the Spirit throughout her life. And my encouragement this morning is to share what the Spirit is doing in your life with your friends. And in the points where you can't see or feel what the Spirit is doing, ask your friends, because they're probably a bit more attentive in, in a certain manner. They can see it from the outside, an outsider's perspective. They can see how the Spirit is transforming you. It was really quite tremendous. Sam came to me one day and said, you know, I, I'm really thinking about this and I feel really called to this, but it doesn't make any sense because I am just this person, you know, who I was however long ago, and I will never be changed from that. And, and it was really such a, a blessing for me to be able to name to her, like, the transformation that I'd seen go on in her life and, and the way that the spirit was moving. And that was so encouraging, actually, to reflect on that myself about what's going on in her life to see how the Spirit was moving in my own life. My encouragement this morning is that you are attentive to what the Spirit is doing in your life and attentive to what the Spirit is doing in the lives of those around you and share that with them. Share with them how exciting it is to be transformed, to be convicted, to be empowered to worship because that is such a gift. Amen.